It's one of your favorite shows of the week and mine, the Pro Football Focus. Grades are in, who graded high, who graded low, and it gives us a better understanding of what needs to happen moving forward. That's coming up next right here on Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your Wednesday edition of Locked On Balls, and I'm your host, Eric Kane. So glad to have you guys along for the ride here today. As we're moving through Akron week, we're going to look at the zips coming up starting tomorrow as we continue our conversation about Tennessee's overtime win over Pittsburgh, 34-27. to I'm your host, Eric Kane, here at Locked On Balls at underscore Kaner, and at Locked On Balls. And thank you so much for subscribing and following us on YouTube and wherever you find your podcast. So the pro football focus grades are coming up. As we get on throughout the show, but we can't start a Wednesday show without talking to our guy, Josh Ward, 99.1 The Sports Animal, host of Josh and Swain with VFL Jason Swain. Josh, what's going on, man? Hey, Eric, good to be with you. Uh, overall, big takeaways, 34-27 overtime win, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. It's a win, in my opinion, that Tennessee doesn't get a lot over the course of the last 15 years, but found a way to get it done. Yeah, I think that's probably right, uh, especially needing the defense to step up like last year, I know it was brought up, does Tennessee win that game a year ago? Probably not. Tennessee did have to fight until the very end. The defense made plays late against Kentucky, but the defense had a difficult time for most of those four quarters, and it was the offense that kept scoring, and ultimately Tennessee was able to outscore Kentucky. This was not an outscore the opponent game, and it literally was, but it was the defense having to get stops, make plays, respond when other mistakes were made, in a second half where the offense was not able to do much of anything. And, uh, you know, finding a way to win, there is something to that. Look, look at Alabama. I know that's an obvious game that has been brought up, but the offense, which has been so great for several years, and we've talked about, well, the defense doesn't matter as much. Defense had to continue to, to hold up at least. Offense made plays late and was able to get out of there with the win. But you have to just you have to find ways depending on how that game is going. And there will be games where the defense, I think, is giving up a ton of points and it is on the offense. But uh, it's just it's something the program needed. Fans definitely needed to see Tennessee win, not lose that game. But I think that matters internally for sure. Yeah, I think so, too. And, you know, this the, the first quarter started off horrendous for the defense. Uh, bend but not break on a nine-play, 43-yard drive that uh, resulted in a field goal. Then Tennessee gives up a touchdown, does have that interception. Uh, Trayvon Flowers back in the end zone, a really nice play. But then Pittsburgh scores another touchdown. But from there on in the first quarter, this defense went turnover on downs, punt, fumble, miss field goal, punt, miss field goal. They got on the board again, did Pittsburgh in the late in the third quarter of the field goal, punt, touchdown. And then end of half, Tennessee, again, as you pointed out, kept this offense, kept Tennessee in this football game moving forward and pressuring the quarterback. We knew it wasn't a big deal against Ball State. We had to mention it, of course, but I uh, knew that it really wasn't that big of a deal, wasn't worth panicking over. Uh, four sacks, nine TFLs for Tennessee. I thought uh, Wesley Walker, first sack of the season on fourth down was huge. Trayvon Flowers, the sack towards the end of the game was massive. But uh, I thought Aaron Beasley, Tyler Barron, and Byron Young played really, really good football for Tennessee. And I mean, knock Keaton Slovis out of the football game and knock Nick Patty around as well. Yeah, and th there is that part of it. That's, I think, one of the takeaway conversations is, okay, in the second half, does Tennessee win if 
Keaton Slovis is playing. Obviously, we'll never know. It would have been harder to win the game versus Slovis, who's healthy, you know, in this conversation, versus Patty, who's not as good and was not healthy himself. But also the other part of that conversation is, well, Tennessee is who knocked out Slovis and who banged up. did their job, yeah. Patty, yeah. So that was a part of it. Is, does that mean it's going to happen moving forward? I, I don't know. That you can't predict. I, I don't want to sit here and, and predict injuries anyway. But in that game, that's what we're talking about. That's what Tennessee was able to do. And it is a sign of progress up front with Tennessee's ability to create pressure, which is a must anywhere, but with this defense and what Tennessee is designed to do. So, you know, Tyler Barron, his his um, emergence and you know, what he was able to do at the end of the first half, he's lined up on the inside. You have Roman Harrison and, and Byron Young on the outside as somebody like Joshua Joseph, I, I think, will come along this season. And James Pierce is a guy with a ton of potential that can allow Tim Banks to be more creative in what they're able to do. But the more you're able to get to the quarterback or affect the quarterback, because we paid so much attention to sacks and you know, those, those are the numbers that impress the most. And that's how you get your money in the future. Right. But a lot of it is about affecting the quarterback. The final play of the game, Eric was a chance for Pitt to get a touchdown. That receiver is breaking open and he would have had a chance if he catches it in stride to break the, the plane and get into the end zone and then who knows, Pitt might go for two or you're at least going to a second overtime period and you don't know what happens. But Tennessee pressured the quarterback. Tennessee was able to bring pressure. Aaron Beasley's coming. That affected Patty's throw, and he was not able to hit the receiver in stride and Tennessee wins the game. So taking the quarterback down matters, but affecting the quarterback, that's why Pittsburgh was much less effective in the second half in converting on third downs. They did have some fourth down conversions, but not on the final fourth down that mattered the most. Yeah, 16 quarterback hurries, and I don't even think that, 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 that that's low-balling right there. They were all in that backfield uh, compared to one for uh, Pittsburgh. Um, Trayvon Flowers, the highest of absolute highs, the lowest of absolute lows. The way I've been characterizing it all week is, man, he went through the ringer, but credit him for sticking in it, not getting down on himself, and going and making a play at the end. Yeah, right. Uh, that's a veteran that you asked to step back, up, uh, step up uh, in a spot where he's trying to redeem himself. Because if he doesn't make a play in overtime and Tennessee does lose that game, then he's the guy that a lot of people will be pointing fingers at, saying, "Hey, that's why since he lost fair or unfair, yeah, you know, he would have probably done that to himself." And he probably said, "Hey, I've got to go make a play. I've got to go make this up for my teammates." And he had made one earlier with the interception. But Flowers is a guy we talked about a lot in August defensively. The, the conversation was not really around special teams of the improvement that he's made. And you know, that's an example as well of where I think Tim Banks deserves credit of figuring out, okay, this is what we need to do to be able to go affect the quarterback, to describe it that way again. But uh, Walker in the backfield, as you mentioned earlier, different guys stepping up, not just the pass rushers. And you love to send four every time, but you have to be more creative than that. That's just the realistic situation Tennessee's in. And it won the game for Tennessee because uh, we'll, we'll never know, but don't you like Pittsburgh's chances if Trayvon doesn't get there? Uh, or if they run a fourth and short situation to try to get into the end zone, certainly more than you do if they're trying to make a play outside the 20-yard line. So in the end, uh, a big mistake was made up for by a veteran, Trayvon Flowers, who knew he needed to. The other day, you had two chances from the eight-yard eight line, and then that turned into one chance from the 20, which I think should have been back at the 23, maybe even the 24-yard line. So credit mm -hmm. him for stepping up and making a play. Uh, flipped the script offensively. Tennessee, again, a slow start, but came back and, and rattled off some points there. Took control of the football game in the first half. Big defensive play from Tyler Barron with the strip sack. Tennessee able to knock on uh, knock on three more uh, there towards the end of the first half. But 
Uh, Hendon Hooker, SEC Player of the Week. I still think that he could have been even better in this football game. Cedric Tillman had 162 yards receiving on nine receptions. Could have been better in this football game. Brew McCoy, got to get the football more. Uh, four targets, four receptions, and then ultimately Tennessee's run game was non-existent. Your big takeaway from Tennessee offensively, some highs, a lot of lows in the second half. Three points in the second half is not going to get it done on, on any other Saturday. Yeah, right. Um, that third quarter was was a mess. Uh, you know, penalties that that affected them. O- overall, the numbers weren't bad, but in bad spots. That was one of the problems. Uh, I, I had said before Josh and Swain on Monday, we're just kind of going through. I said, you know, it's a one thing that leads to another deal. And then during the press conference, Josh Heupel said, you know, one thing leads to another. And that's exactly what it is. Because Tennessee, if if you don't make a catch, that puts you back behind where you expected to be, then if you commit a penalty, that moves you back further. That puts pressure on the offensive line, which can then cause pressure on the quarterback, and mistakes can be made. Uh, but the fact that we're able to come out of the game saying, man, the offense has a lot to work on, and man, coming out of there, Hinton Hooker was off a little bit, and the SEC still looked at him and said, offense player of the week. And Cedric Tillman's numbers, when they could have been much better, were still better than most everybody else in his position in the country that speaks to the potential of this offense. And uh, of course there is the topic of, well, how many receivers are they going to be playing here? Because there was not a rotation. So uh, if you're going to throw the ball and you only have three people that are out there at the receiver position, at least, well, they're of course going to get the bulk of the targets, but Tillman is a a big time playmaker. He's going to get fans their cookies at some point, probably soon this season, because he almost did this past Saturday, but uh, he is, uh, he's as confident, I think, as any receiver in the country. Jalen Hyatt's has to be growing and, uh, I want to see does the does the role for Brew change or grow? He's a guy that bully ball, um, you know, third down play. He's able to break tackles, get the first down. Excuse me, on a drive where uh, Chase McGrath is able to kick the field goal. If he doesn't hit that, do they win the game? I mean, you never know. Everything changes the way the game's played, but fans don't want to find out. So Brew down the sideline, making a play, breaking tackles, making plays. And then Cedric Tillman is just, he is an alpha. He is the number one guy for Tennessee, and he's one of the top number ones in the country. Yeah, and I want to continue to reiterate that uh, <laughs> it's what we do. We talk, we 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 uh, we reflect on the games, we, we critique. But I think it's a credit to both Hendon Hooker and Cedric Tillman that they're held to this standard where, mm-hmm. and you're balling out, like look at the stats here, they don't lie. But at the same time, they could have been so much more That's a credit to you because how good you are as a player and the expectations that fans and I think the coaching staff have for those two players. Last thing, it's Akron week. Much like the Ball State game, you're really not going to get anything out of this football game, but it's your final tune-up, your dress rehearsal before Florida comes into town for the CBS 330 kick. That is on the September the 24th. Uh, What are you looking for this week in Tennessee and Akron? Yeah, um, I want to see some of that younger personnel that we talked about in August and we talked about during the first week and after it, is there more involvement that could lead to bigger roles moving forward? Yeah, Eric, I think one question is the running back position, Jabari Small's role, Jalen Wright's role. Jalen did some good things, but a fumble uh, that was costly. And uh, back-to-back games where you're talking about, okay, uh, ball security matters here. You want to trust a freshman, but if one of the older guys writes just a year older, but you know, that's a pretty big difference, I think, in the, the eyes of coaches. Are you going to take care of the football? We know they love Samson's ability. We know that he has home run ability. Do they trust him in pass protection, which he was not tested in? I, I don't know if he'll be tested this week, honestly, against Akron, uh, but was not against Ball State. But you know, how he runs, does, does is he getting um is he getting down the way that they want? Because you know, there was a play uh, credit Swain, he pointed out where Dylan's just too high and got popped in the SEC. That could become a problem, too. So uh, 
the guy mentioned earlier, Joseph, but you know, personnel, wide receiver, Walker Merrill, do we see more of him? Callaway, uh, th- those guys that have ability, do they get more of a role? Because at some point, those guys have to be counted on. Maybe it's the Florida game, but it's certainly sometime in SEC play. Kept saying that last year, and I mean, I guess there was a point there in the Georgia game when Javonda Payton got knocked out or what, whatever game it was, whenever Ramel Keaton had to come in a little bit. But uh, you, you you think they're going to play more players, but I'm still not surprised that they trim that down to three guys and they roll with those three guys. You want to see more wide receivers play, uh, no doubt about it. Josh Ward, 99.1 The Sports Animal, co-host of Josh and Swain with VFL Jason Swain. What's coming up the rest of the week on Josh and Swain? Yeah, all kinds of breakdown where Monday was a lot about looking back at Pitt and I would be looking forward. And uh, I, I jokingly say, Eric, it's only about the next game, which is Akron, but I promise we'll be talking a lot of Florida, a lot of SEC conversation as Tennessee's moving up in the polls and moving up in those SEC power rankings. So the, the hype is real and it will be building over the next 10 days or so. No pun intended. And also, we can look ahead to Florida. The team doesn't need to, but, you know. I'm not on the team. You're not on the team. That's right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Neither are the fans. They don't so fans, us. feel free to talk about that 3.30 game coming up a week from Saturday. Look forward to Akron, but uh, I don't think there's anything to worry about. This is not a Georgia State team uh, from a few years ago that Tennessee's about to play. App State's not coming to Knoxville this week. Yeah, yeah. Not, uh, not, not a great football team. That'll come up at 7 o'clock this Saturday. Josh, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. Hey, you got it. Thank you. All right, that is Josh Ward, Josh underscore Ward on Twitter. Really do appreciate him joining us for Ward Wednesday. All right, when we come back, let's get into those pro football focus grades. We'll start offensively and then move to defense in segment number three. But first, let me remind you about BetOnline.net, your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, podcasts, including this year's opening week games. BetOnline is also your continued source of all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, scores, and so much more. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about all the latest trends and all the action. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back into your Wednesday edition of Locked On Balls. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Big thanks to Josh Ward for stopping by the show. Always appreciate talking with him. And like I've been teasing for the entire week, this will be really the last time we kind of spend time reflecting on Pittsburgh. I understand Akron is not. Florida, which will be in two weeks, but typically Wednesday is about the time we kind of flip the script. We get into our pro football focus grades and kind of move on uh, from there a little bit because Monday's instant reaction, of course, not instant, but Monday's reaction, uh, Tuesday's Twitter Tuesday, Wednesday's Josh and PFF, and then Thursday's usually a crossover if I have the time to, to speak with somebody else from the opposing, uh, uh, the covers the, from the opposing media or somebody from the opposing school, and then Friday, of course, is the big time preview. So uh, nonetheless, um, Pro football focus grades offensively. Let's get into it. You know, overall these grades are pretty good. And, and remember the uh, 
the overall grading scale for Pro Football Focus, it's a little bit different than what your tor- your typical grading scale is. Um, and Tennessee's grades were, were pretty good here in, in week two. So uh, remember, you know, each player is graded on a scale of 1 to 100. 90 to 100 represents an elite grade. 80 to 85 represents an all-conference high player. Uh, 70 to 84 is starter quality. 60 to 69 is backup quality. And everything below 60 um, is replaceable, okay? So when you're looking at the offense, once again, Hendon Hooker, he led the way with the highest grade on offense. 83.7% was his grade. And that is just slightly below an all-conference type player for this grade, all right, Uh, for this game. Uh, Hendon Hooker, when you kind of look at the breakdown, you look at what he did. Uh, He was kept clean 78% of his dropbacks, 24 of 38s went while kept clean for 266 yards and a touchdown. He was under pressure for only 11 dropbacks, completed three or four passes uh, for a touchdown and 59 yards. Um, He was not blitzed on 62% of his passes, uh, where he went 17 of 28 for two touchdowns and 183 yards. And then when blitzed, that was on 38% of his dropbacks. He was 10 of 14 uh, for yards per attempt, 10.1. And um, he had how many yards? 142. So uh, Hinton had a pretty good day. I mean, of course, he had some misses. We've discussed that. He overshots what would have been a touchdown. Um, He missed on a a third down throw as well. Uh, But overall, Hinton was pretty sharp, and, and the numbers don't lie. Uh, so Hinton Hooker had a, a pretty good day also on play action. And a lot of this play action is RPO, keep in mind. So 52% of his dropbacks were on play action. Um, he had a touchdown and 199 yards uh, in that quarter category. No play action, 48%. He was 12 and 19, 126 yards and a touchdown. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you look at there, uh, he, he had a pretty solid day. Uh, 10 yards and beyond the line of scrimmage. Hinton Hooker was 3 of 8 to the right side, which is where Cedric Tillman uh, was, and he had over 100 yards. Um, 10 yards and above the line of scrimmage and beyond the line of scrimmage from the left side where Brew McCoy was. Uh, Hinton Hooker was only 1 of 2 on the day for 32 yards, and of course that was uh, the touchdown. A lot of the intermediate throwing is always for Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee offense. But uh, Hendon Hooker, 79 snaps, played every single offensive snap in this ball game, and he graded out with the highest offensive grade at 83.7. Uh, running backs, Jabari Small, 64.9 was his grade, played 51 of the 79 offensive snaps, and he had the third highest grade. Jalen Wright. Uh, was right there as well. He had the seventh highest grade, played on 28 snaps. And of course, remember, he would have played a lot more if he didn't fumble at the end of the ball game. Uh, after that, it was all Jabari Small. He graded out at 59.8. That fumble weighed heavily into his grade. Uh, Cedric Tillman had the second highest grade of anybody playing offense, 77 snaps, all but two. 68.7% was his grade on the day. And keep in mind, I remember 70 to 84 is a starter grade. 84 to 89 is elite, or 84 to 89 is all conference, and then 90 to 100 is considered elite. Anything below 60 um, is uh, backup quality. Okay. So Jalen Hyatt had the fifth highest offensive grade, 75 snaps on offense, 61.2 for Jalen Hyatt. 
Brew McCoy, the eighth highest offensive grade, 73 snaps, 59.5 was his grade. A lot of blocking on the day for Brew McCoy. Romel Keaton got eight snaps. Jimmy Callaway got two snaps at wide receiver. Um, and really that that lineup, again, talk about the wide receiver, the snap count. Cedric Tillman, 77 snaps. Jalen Hyatt, 75 snaps. Brew McCoy, 73 snaps. Keaton, eight snaps. And Jimmy Callaway, only two snaps. Uh, Gerald Mincy, pretty good day. 12th highest offensive grade, 51.9 according to PFF. Uh, was his overall grade. He played every single snap of the football game. Uh, the entire offensive line played every single snap, so that was good to see. But Gerald Mincy, the highest offensive lineman in terms of pass protection grades. Uh, 70.7 was that percent for Gerald Mincy. Only 41.7 in the run game. But uh, in speaking with an assistant coach on Tuesday, they're pleased with the progression that Gerald Mincy is making in the run game and blocking to uh, that part of the scheme. Uh, Jerome Carvin, not a good day. And so it, just a little bit behind the curtain, if you will, on Sundays when I go back and rewatch the game, and of course, remember, as I always say, disclaimer, PFF, it's something, it's not everything, okay? It's something, it's not everything. Um, I don't look at the PFF grades until I'm done rewatching the game because I don't want that to cloud my judgment, okay? I sat there and watched that game, and I thought Jerome Carvin had maybe one of his worst games, unfortunately, in a Tennessee uniform. Uh, the PFF grades back that up. 43% pass blocking grade for Jerome Carvin. 46.5 run blocking grade, uh, grade for Jerome Carvin. His overall grade on the day, 48.7. That is not good. Cooper Mays, a 58.7 overall grade, a 54.7% pass blocking grade, and 63.1% run blocking grade. So, again, these averages are not very good. You know, really the only one that looks good so far is Gerald Mincy's pass blocking grade at 70.7. Everything else is well below average. Javante Spragans had a grade of 60.7 overall, so not the hor- not a horrible overall grade. Pass blocking 65.6, that's not terrible. Run blocking 58.2, needs to get better, but again, that's not horrible. And again, when speaking with an assistant coach on Tuesday, very pleased with Javante Spragans. And that's something to where if you're watching the game or you go back and rewatch it on tape, you see somebody going right by Javante Spragans. But that's why it's so challenging to know because you don't know if that's his guy. Is that the running back's guy? Is that Darnell Wright's guy? Is that a tight end's guy? Is that an H-back's guy? We simply just don't know. Um, But the coaching staff is pleased with the way Javante Spragans played, even though I think there's still another level he can get into. And then Darnell Wright at right tackle, 63.9% was his overall grade. Um, His pass blocking grade, 63%, and his run blocking grade is 62.2% for this football game. Very consistent, but again, there's a higher level to reach there as that is a little bit below average. Princeton fans did not think he played a very good football game. His overall grade in this game, 50.1. That's not good. His pass blocking grade, remember those tight ends were kept in as H-backs and you know the six men on the line of six man on the line of scrimmage to help protect Hendon Hooker in this ball game, like we said they would. His pass blocking grade, 55%. His run blocking grade, 35.7%. He did give up a sack. Not good at all. And Jacob Warren wasn't much better. 50.5% was his overall grade. Jacob Warren's pass blocking grade was 29.9. He didn't have a whole lot of opportunities, but still uh, not not great at all. His run blocking grade was 51.6. In the pass blocking category for the running backs, Jabari Small, 24.2. Not a good day pass blocking for Jabari Small. Again, didn't get a, like in terms of, you know, the. let me let me gather my thoughts here. 
there's going to be a lot more reps and pass blocking for an offensive lineman compared to a running back. So remember, you know, say there was eight reps for Jabari Small in pass blocking. If he missed on five of those, that percentage is going to look horrible uh, compared to an offensive lineman that had maybe 50 reps in pass blocking. You know what I'm saying? So Jabari Small, 24.2% in pass blocking. Jalen Wright, 76.6% in pass blocking. Uh, so again, it, it was. Uh, I think this just goes to show you that um, this is very encouraging. Again, PFF, it's something, it's not everything. But we already knew that Tennessee's offense did not play very well in this football game, yet it found a way to win. Uh, you had Alex Golish on Tuesday getting in front of the media saying, I, you know, they we didn't like the way they started the game, but they just continued to chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away, chip away, and they found a way to go in the end and score a touchdown and win in overtime. Hats off to the defense. They kept this offense in the ball game. They kept this game alive for Tennessee. We knew all that coming into the game, but I do like to kind of break down the stats and see where each player shined or where each player really didn't shine in this football game. And that's kind of what Pro Football Focus does for me. Overall, again, the offense ran 79 plays in this football game and only played 15 players. That is, that I mean, compared to what they did in Ball State Week 1, Woo. I mean, that's that is shrinking it down. It'll expand a little bit this week, of course, for um Akron. All right. So that was the offensive PFF grades. What about the defensive grades? That's coming up next, right here on Lockdown Balls. All right, guys, welcome back into it. Your final segment here on this Wednesday show. I'm your host, Eric Kane, and this is Locked On Balls, your team every single day, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right. We heard from Josh Ward. We saw and heard from the Pro Football Focus offensive grades. Now let's take a look at the Pro Football Focus defensive grades here for Tennessee against Pitt. Uh, you know, pretty decent grades. Again, there's a lot of room for improvements. Um, but overall, in a game where you saw the defense start off slow, but again, just like the offense kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and the team found a way to win with their defense on Saturday, and that that's that, that's really, really good. And I think the grades reflect that overall. Uh, once again, a reminder, pro football focus grading scale, okay? Um, each player is graded from 1 to 100. 90 to 100 represents an elite grade. 85 to 89 represents an all-conference player. 70 to 84 is starter quality. 60 to 69 is backup quality. And everything else is under 60 is considered a replaceable player. So, uh, let's get into it and look at it. Uh, Leo Byron Young, the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. He was the fifth highest grader for Tennessee on that side of the football. 68.7 was his grade. 64 snaps for Byron Young. The other Leo, Roman Harrison, who I thought played a pretty decent ball game. I thought he did more in this game than I've seen him do really in three years. He played 45 snaps. His grade was not high, 57.6, but you need that type of Roman Harrison for depth purposes and, of course, for helping getting after the quarterback and putting in that pass rushing situation, that NASCAR package. Uh, Omari Thomas on the defensive line, seventh highest grader for Tennessee on defense. 65.2 was his grade. He played 64 snaps. That's still too many snaps for Omari Thomas, but overall, I do like the snap disparity between these defensive linemen. Look, 64, Tom 64 snaps for Omari Thomas, too high, but Bryce Neeson got 20. Kura Garland got 33. Elijah Simmons got 12. Dominic Bailey got 18. Latrell Bumpus got 20. Deshaun Terry got 14. So again, they're spreading the wealth out a little bit, okay? You don't want a Matthew Butler situation where you're playing over 800 snaps in a season, 
but nonetheless, I like that they played a lot of defensive linemen. Uh, Omari Thomas, 65.2 was his overall grade. Karat Garland, a starter, 71.8% was his overall grade. 33 snaps on the football game. Pretty solid day for Karat Garland. Bryson Eason, 20 snaps, 64.2 was his grade. Elijah Simmons, 58.4 was his grade, and he had 12 snaps. Dominic Bailey, 63.8% was his grade. Uh, that was in 18 snaps. And Latrell Bumpus, 61.2% was his grade, and that is in 20 snaps. So, again, the grades are kind of low here, but, again, it's kind of a funky grading scale. And, again, pro football focus grades them hard as well. Also, just like us, they don't know exactly what they're looking for in terms of what the responsibility is on whatever play. So, again, salt, grain, take it, all right? Uh, you have Deshaun Terry. I think I skipped over him. Uh, 47.9% was his grade on 14 snaps. He didn't have a very good day. Yeah, let's go to the end here. Tyler Barron, a really, really strong day. Might have been the best football I've ever seen Tyler Barron play here at Tennessee. Like what he did on the end, like when he slid down inside that NASCAR package to a defensive tackle. Led the defense with the top overall grade of 81.8% on 52 snaps. So I love the grade. I love the versatility. And I love that Tyler Barron was out there for 52 snaps. A good sign for him and for Tennessee if he can continue that. Let's go to linebackers. Jeremy Banks. Remember, pro football focus, not a fan of Jeremy Banks. 19th highest grade for Tennessee on that side of the football. A 54.2% grade on 76 snaps. Uh, the defense played, let's see here. I want to say the defense played 86 snaps in this football game, so he was out there for 76 of them. Remember, Jeremy Banks will never grade out high. He just won't on pro football focus. Never has, never will. Uh, let's go to Aaron Beasley, who is playing better than anybody on this football team right now. He had the fourth highest grade for Tennessee. 70.6% was his grade, and he played in all but one snap on defense. Aaron Beasley, a fine, fine day for the University of Tennessee. I believe he had 14 tackles um, on the day. Let's move on. Solon Page, the lowest grade for Tennessee. Tennessee played 21 players on, de on defense. He graded out with the 21st uh grade for defense at 38.6%. Not good at all. That's actually pathetic if you really kind of get down to it. And 38% um, overall, and then that was uh, on 10 snaps in this football game. So uh, nonetheless, not a very good day for Solon Page. Elijah Herring got two reps in there in the first half. 59.2% was his grade, but only two reps for Elijah Herring. Uh, let's get to cornerbacks, shall we? Warren Burrell. We'll go and we'll look at the coverage numbers here in a moment, but Warren Burrell graded out at 59.8% on 84 snaps. Kamal Haddon graded out at 63.3% on 86 snaps. I've said it. I'll continue to say it. I think Kamal Haddon's their best guy. It's not even close. However, he busted a few things on, on, the, on the game take when speaking with some assistant coaches. He busted a few coverages, and he put the defensive secondary in a bind a couple of times on Saturday. But, hey, that's football, right? Uh, that is football. Christian Charles, only two snaps in this football game at quarterback. The two star players, you're seeing those guys. Not It's not a true 50-50 split, but both of those guys are playing a lot of snaps. The starter, Tamari McDonald, graded out at 65% on 52 snaps. Wesley Walker, 67.8%. On 35 snaps, both of those guys, pretty decent ball game. Jalen McCullough, 61.3% on 86 snaps. He played every snap on defense. And Trayvon Flowers, 72.8% on 86 snaps. He graded out the second highest on the team on defense. So again, for all the times we, uh, you know, fans get frustrated and I critique safety play, 
there in cornerback play, Warren Burrell and Trayvon Flowers, Jalen McCullough. There is a reason these guys are out there. Sure, depth, you want to have depth to push them out of the way. I get it. But there is a reason that they play. They know the assignments. They're consistent in what they do, good or bad. And, you know, the the great sheet don't lie. Trayvon Flowers, 72.8% against Pitts. And remember, highest highs, lowest lows. He made some great plays. That interception was one of the finest plays I've seen, certainly from him, but really since, uh, you know, covering the Tennessee team the last couple of years. Um, but Trayvon Flowers, the second highest grade, second only to Tyler Barron on 86 plays. Uh, let's look at the coverage number, shall we? Let's go to the cornerbacks. All right, we'll go to Warren Burrell first. Okay, so they've, they've made a note here from over the weekend when I looked at it. Um, he was targeted 10 times in this, or nine times in this football game, not 10. He gave up six receptions, not seven. So earlier in the week, I said 10 and seven, nine targets, six receptions. That's a 66.7 completion percentage on Warren Burrell. He gave up 56 yards and uh, he gave up one touchdown in this ball game. Okay. Look at the other cornerback, Kamal Haddon. He was targeted nine times. He gave up three receptions. That's the 33.8% um, for how many yards? Let's see here. 34 yards and no touchdowns. So those are what the two cornerbacks look like in this football game. So those are the grades, the pro football focus grades. And again, the goal is when you go back, when you watch the game in person or live on TV, whatever, you go back and rewatch it. You kind of have an idea of what you're looking at, and then you want to see if these grades reflect what you think of and what your notes kind of match up to in your in your recap columns and all that, at least for me covering this team. And, and that's kind of how I get some self-satisfaction a little bit. and like, oh, I know what I'm looking for. Okay, yada, yada. Uh, but I think it kind of did in this football game. Tennessee overall, it wasn't sharp, especially for 60 minutes. The defense bailed the offense out. The defense had built a lot of confidence in this football game. The offense, some work to do, but Tennessee found a way to win on the road over a ranked opponent in week two of the football season. You take that every single day of the week. All right, that's going to do it here for this day of the week, which is Wednesday here on Lockdown Balls. Can't thank you guys enough for hanging out with me and dissecting the pro football focus grades and, of course, getting a little Ward Wednesday action from Josh Ward. Thanks so much for making it your first listen every single day. That's Locked On Balls. Now for your second listen, let's check out Locked On SEC with Chris DeGordy. Does a fantastic job taking you around the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen right behind Locked On Balls, which is your first listen each and every day. Guys, can't thank you enough. Let's do it again. Same time, same place tomorrow. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, everybody.